welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the lovely Georgia Houston, who is a qualified dietitian who works in clinical practice. She also has a product line of some beautiful looking products, and she offers different workshops and talks as well. I'm really looking forward to diving into today's episode and hearing more about Georgia's story and how she got to where she is today. So thank you so much for joining me, Georgia. It's a pleasure to have you here. Ah, pleasure is mine. Thank you. Let's get into it by chatting a little bit about what first got you interested in the health and nutrition space. Um, well, I think my story and start to nutrition is a bit um, ironic and a bit different. I um, started my whole journey, I guess, into health after suffering from an eating disorder myself. Um, ironically, going through my own health journey, I was studying psychology at the time. Um, and during this stage, I started um, to become a bit more noticeable about food, health, exercise and what I was doing. Um, I was always a very health conscious person, um, but being a bit of a perfectionist OCD type of gal, I took that to the extreme very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so my start to nutrition was a bit of a, I wouldn't say it was very positive to start with. I saw a dietitian myself. Um, when I was going through my eating disorder um, and that I came away feeling very overwhelmed and daunted by the whole process. Mm. Um, It wasn't until I went and saw a nutritionist actually that I fell in love with um, and wanted to get better and heal my relationship with food so that I could um, help others. And that by product of that was to become a dietitian. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, So when did you make that decision to become a nutritionist after healing your own things and um, overcoming your eating disorder? Was it kind of like a very instant thing when you did go and see that nutritionist and you saw the potential in the field or was it something that came over time? Yeah, um, so it was a very gradual process, something I knew I wanted to do but took me a long time to get there because I had to overcome my own eating disorder before I started practicing. Um, So when I was 18, um, finished school and went straight to uni to do um, my psychology degree. During that time, I was suffering with eating disorder orthorexia, um, which I mentioned before, I became really obsessed with being healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, During probably like the, it was a four-year degree because I, took it a bit slower probably year three year four I realized I wanted to get into the health space and become a dietitian um so moved into a once I finished my psych moved into a graduate diploma in nutritional science Mm -hmm. um and then to become a nutritionist and then a master's in nutrition and dietetics um so I always knew it was in the back burner but I didn't want to start practicing until I could really practice what I preached and felt mentally ready Um, to be in that space because I wanted to specialize in eating disorders. Um, So I didn't want to be triggered myself or I didn't want to be um, thought of as a bit of a fraud. So that was my biggest accountability um, and pusher was that one day I wanted to have my own practice 
um, and to have my own relationship with food healed. Um, yeah. So yeah, the best treatment for me was to want to have my own business. Yeah, incredible. And now here you are with that thriving business and looking yeah. back at where you started. That's really incredible what you've Yeah, it's, um, I always like I um, see clients three days a week um, and it's always a pinch me moment when I see a client for the first time in an initial because their stories I resonate so much to. Yeah. Um, which I find such a benefit in my practice because when I saw a dietitian, she wasn't, she didn't specialize in eating disorders, but um, her, I remember her homework so vividly was for me to um, eat dessert that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and dessert was something that petrified me, especially an unhealthy dessert. Yeah. So now coming from that perspective and seeing like food rules, um, addictions, all of that around food, I understand how overwhelming it can be to give that kind of homework. So yeah, mm-hmm. having that bit of empathy and understanding, I think really works well. Yeah, that makes total sense. And do you find being in the niche of eating disorders, does your psychology background really benefit that as well? Plus your personal experience. I feel like that is probably one of the best packages you could have to be able to properly support the people that you're guiding on their journeys. Yeah, even though it ended up being um, a very natural thing, um, I didn't know I was going to do psychology and then nutrition. I think everyone in the space of eating disorders should have both. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I want... So I'm not a qualified psychologist. I've got an undergrad in psychology, but that is something I will probably look at finishing maybe way down the track when I want to have like children or something um, to finish my proper nutrition degree to become a psychologist, to become a psychologist. Yeah, my psychology degree. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. And even just that undergrad, like that's still so much knowledge. That's years of a great foundation that would be benefiting what you do in your practice so much. So, yeah, that's really cool that you have that alongside the dietetics. Yes, I am. I think it's a good combination. I also, though, um, all of my eating disorder clients, I make sure they have a proper psychologist on board as well. Yeah. I find working with the psychologist, your outcome and your treatment um, is a lot better than if it was just one sort of the psychologist or the dietitian, um, yeah. both together, beautiful combination. Yeah, that more holistic approach. I love that. Yeah. Do you find you work a lot with psychologists on like a referral basis? Yes. So there's probably two um, psychologists in Canberra that uh, I work very closely with. Yeah. Um, and they refer to me, I refer to them, but majority also of my clients come from GPs and referrals that way. Um, but yeah, I, one of the good reasons about Canberra is we're such a small town that word of mouth is um, how I get all my clients as well. So it's great. Yeah, incredible. The best type of marketing is word of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I'm good at digital marketing, so it's great. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, I don't think that's true though. You have a beautiful um, social media presence. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much. That's part of my perfectionism, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> looks great. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you went from graduating as a dietitian to actually building your business to what it is today. Yeah. Um, so I was very eager to start seeing clients straight away. Um, I guess because I did my undergrad in psych, by the time I was doing nutrition, I was that little bit older. So I was probably 24, 25, um, which is not old, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I always knew I wanted to specialize in eating disorders. Um, So as soon as I got my um, nutrition degree, 
I started seeing clients um, and that was a very holistic movement as well. I started seeing them um, at the local park. Um, so I didn't have to pay rent, didn't have any like resources or um, things tying me down. Um, and that was just through a PT in Canberra that started recommending me. Um, then, because as we know, Canberra gets freezing. I remember going to the park with a uh, new mum and her baby and we were like shaking. Oh, no. um, so like, oh, we can't do this anymore. I need to be a bit more professional. Um, so I then um, moved into my, um, I was living at home throughout all of this. Um, my parents had a gym, so set that up as a little office space. Um, which had its flaws too because I'd always have clients come on the weekend or afternoons and would have to get all my family to be quiet throughout the whole time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, then I um, got eventually got an office space. Um, so, yeah, so, and that was all while I was doing uni, um, doing my master's. And at that time I had a mentor who had a dietitian practice um, and I would see clients through her business on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good starting ground for me also to um, ask any questions, be guided by her. Um, and she's still my mentor today. Amazing. Um, yeah. So that was, I was very lucky to have that. And then um, just built it up over time, seeing client, uh, seeing through GPs, um, through psychologists, and now I have like a two month wait list, which is pretty good. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so you practice three days a week, you were saying? Yeah. So um, I work in my business full time, um, but because eating disorders is quite um, full on, yeah. I just designate um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to client days. Yeah. Um, Fridays, I with um, eating disorders, there's a lot of uh, communication with the GPs and the psychologists so that's my, my like letter writing day because um, a lot of my clients come on a thing called an eating disorder plan so you have to write to the GP or the psychologist um, after you've seen them on the first and last time and any updates so that's like a whole day in itself yeah. Um, wow. and yeah it's like a full-on writing day yeah. and then days as of this year have been my like work on my business days mm-hmm. um they're doing things like this or I've just started writing articles for magazines which was one of my goals okay. um if I do any like cooking photos that would be on a Monday um it's also my sleeping day so that's nice yeah that sounds like a really good way to balance it because you're right like seeing those one-on-one clients can get very full-on and um it's a common theme I hear from people who are in clinical practice um yeah. and I think when we graduate we sort of go into thinking like oh yeah we can practice five days will be great and then you realize that there's actually a lot more involved than just that time you're spending with the client yes hundreds. and then like on a Thursday night after my three days I can barely my partner Angus I like barely talk to him my voice is like <laughs> I just want to hide in bed and you know <laughs> watch watch reality tv so yeah they can be exhausting yeah. Um, if you don't use your time. Yeah. Awesome. And so you've got your clinical practice and you also have um, the other sides of your business. So you've got the products and you also do the occasional um, seminars and workshops. Do you want to tell us a little bit about each of those areas? Yeah, sure. So um, the food products also started while I was studying as a way to make some money. Yeah. Um, and that actually also started because I was doing a talk for a group of women and I was really nervous. Um, so I thought I might make them some cereals to take home in a cute little bag and distract them if my talk is a flop. Um, <laughs> and then they really enjoyed the 
um, music recipe. So I started um, making it and selling it through like a local market. Yep. Um, and then it kind of just grew from there. I went into an IGA in Canberra. And now um, we're in over 40 grocers and cafes. Um, so we do, yeah, we do mueslis, granola um, and energy balls. Um, yeah. And that is um, made by my mum, my best friend Winnie, my fiancé's mum and um, a family friend of ours. Wow. Um, so yeah, every Tuesday um, the girls are in the kitchen making the balls and the cereals. Mm-hmm. Um, they make a lot on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very good, but they also have a lot of fun. Um, and this year was the first time I've kind of stepped back from that. So I'm not in the kitchen cooking anymore. Um, last year, it was getting a bit too much. So, yeah, that's a nice little side business that we've grown. Yeah. Um, it's always nice when my clients, like, are having my energy balls and it kind of all feeds in nicely into yeah. my business. Um, and then the other part is, um, yeah, nutrition wellness talks. So one of my biggest goals probably last year was to get into high schools yeah. um, and build awareness about eating disorders. Um, I went to an all-girls school in Canberra and I, apart from like your health topics, I don't really remember learning about disordered eating, eating disorders. Yeah. Um, then it wasn't relevant to me, so I wasn't even listening. Um, so my goal is to go into girls' high schools and talk about normalised eating, your body changing, having a healthy relationship with food. Um, so, yeah, I lo- have loved that. This year has been a really good year for that. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. It's so important. I think, yeah, everyone needs to hear that. And such a great time to be talking to the girls as well. Like when they are going through high school, it can be such a stressful time on so many fronts. Um, And yeah, it can be that time where you do start to see a lot of eating disorders arise. So that in itself would be so rewarding. So well done for doing that and making a difference in their life. Yeah. I remember my mum coming to watch one. I did one for, I think, year eight to 12 at a school in Canberra. And my mum watched and we both teared up afterwards because it was very like a full circle. So that was nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. It'd be very moving. Do you approach the schools or do they approach you or is it a bit of a mix? Yeah, so that's, this is what I was going to talk about when I was looking at some of the questions. I'm a very persistent person. Yeah. Um, and building my business, I have been very good at um, not taking no for an answer, but also like thinking outside of the box and getting people aware of what I'm doing. So I'll always email people, come up with ideas, um, try and meet with them, those kind of things. So nothing's really fallen on my lap. I've always gone out and approached the schools myself. And then word of mouth through that has been good with other schools. Amazing. Yeah. And do you just approach them via email or do you like do visits or? Uh, Yeah, email first instance um, or call or then have a meeting with like the principal or P department or. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And do you normally just do like one school once or will they often invite you back as well? Um, Usually I will um, do like one school throughout the year in different year groups at different times. So like year sevens, year eights. Um, And it's really interesting. Like a year can make such a big difference. I've found this year, especially year nines and tens to be like a really receptive year to body image eating disorders. Yeah. Whereas seven and eights might just be a little bit too young for that. So you kind of target the talks. They're very different depending on what year group. Um, 
but yeah, I think one school I went back for all the years this year. So that was great. Yeah, that's incredible. And um, you touched a little bit on it there, but when you're formulating your talks, are they often different or are you kind of like repeating similar things or how do you structure those? Um, I'll probably delve into the more eating disorder, disordered eating dieting topics for the later years um, and then just briefly touch on them in year seven and eight. But in all the talks, um, the basic information on healthy eating is the same, What we, how we build a plate, how we need to be eating regularly, how we need to be having breakfast every morning. Yeah. Um, but then maybe the later years it's more targeted to what can you do if you're worried about a friend or um, I found lately a lot of young girls are really afraid to eat in front of people. Mm. Um, so like those kind of topics towards the later years. Um, but then also not so much disordered eating, but eating for exams or alcohol or just general health eating. Yeah, amazing. And do you find it makes it that little bit easier sort of having that kind of structure and knowing like what you're going in to speak about for different year levels rather than having to come up with something completely different every time, which I imagine would just be like far too much work and not necessary. (laughs) Yes. Also, um, yeah, like why reinvent the wheel? I've got some good um, PowerPoint like presentations. Yeah. um, And then just slightly adapt. I always give the schools... um, an option on what topics you want me to include and then I can just chop and change um yeah so now it doesn't take me a whole day to make a presentation I can just um alter it as I need yeah that's fantastic and I think it's good for people to hear as well because I think we often when we think about going into those more speaking kind of settings it can like thinking about all the other work involved it can seem like a lot but um you're so right in saying like it is so valuable just to use similar information and like they're different groups of people. So they're going to benefit from that information. It's not like you're going into the same group saying the same thing. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's really cool seeing that behind the scenes of how you do it. Yeah. Even um, I've gone in and talked to you eights and then the next year I've gone and talked to you nine. So it's same cohort, but within that year, they're completely different people and what resonated with them last year might be completely different this year. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. Even like, for example, when I read books or listen to a podcast, I always take different things out of them, even if I'm listening to that episode again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you're right. Like, yeah, depending on where they're at in their life, um, they'll be receptive to different things that you're touching on. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Such a cool thing to be doing. I was saying it's good. Um, I used to be very nervous before speaking, um, but now I'm a bit more used to it. So that's nice. Yeah. Do you have any tips for anyone else um, about building up your confidence when it comes to speaking in front of groups of people? Um, I would say be prepared. So I'm always very prepared. Yeah. Um, and then it's really the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Yeah. Um, and I always thrive off like when I have a good audience. So when girls are asking questions or you're actually connecting that's when I forget that I'm talking to 300 girls for example and it's just like I'm having a one-on-one consult so yeah yeah connect yeah good tips there definitely makes sense awesome so I want to chat a little bit more about the product side of your business because that sounds super fascinating um and it's so cool that you have family making those balls and the granola and everything for you Um, I think, yeah, that's really cool that it's like a whole family operation. Um, So tell us about where the idea came from. You mentioned it was um, to start getting some money in, but I love how it ties in so well with everything you do and everything you stand for. Um, Yeah, I want to hear a little bit about that evolution. 
Um, I think, and I was saying this on another podcast last week I did, I've always grown up in um, a family that had their own business. So my parents had a business um, for about, oh, I don't want to say in case I get it wrong, but I think it was like 25 years. They had a very successful business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always seen my parents work hard, um, create things that they wanted to create. Um, I thought that when I was at uni, I, I just wanted to get my name out there so that I could have a thriving private practice. Yeah. Um, so I thought just a food business was a good complementary side of the business. Yeah. Um, if people recognize my name in the supermarket, they might turn over and then they'll go on my website Then they'll see that I do um, consults and it will go from there. Yeah. Um, about Christmas time last year, I had to sit down with my dad and I thought, where do I want to take that business? Um, because at the moment we we churn out a lot of balls, but we're only cooking in the kitchen one day a week. So is that something we wanted to look at doing more um, and like end goal being in Woolworths or something, or are we happy just um, being in local cafes, grocers around Canberra, sticking to one day a week? Um, it's, I'm very lucky because of COVID, my parents love traveling. So while COVID has been here, mum can't leave Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> so she's been able to help me with making the balls. Um, <laughs> And if once travel um, is allowed, we're going to reassess to see what everyone wants to do, um, where we want to take the business. But for now, we're quite happy um, just being a small locally made product in Canberra. Um, mm-hmm. We focus on quality ingredients. Um, all the balls are handmade with love. Um, so, yeah, we're happy with where it's at at this time. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so I was going to ask also, who's in charge of like getting it into those 40 plus cafes and shops and things? Um, is that something you have a role in or is that something your family helps you with as well? Yeah. So um, that's, I started that and then I moved that on to my best friend, Winnie. That's her role. That's she's our food operations manager. Yep. Um, so her um, role is to get orders in every week. And she also goes out to like a new cafe or a new grocer um, and gives them samples. Um, we have like flies of all the places we're in. Um, but yeah, usually once cafes or grocers taste our products, that's a really easy way to get in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think because Canberra is such a nice community, we we love locally made. So um, that's our advantage. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned you thought it would be a good name, a good way to get your name out there. Have you found that it has benefited your practice um, and marketing yourself as a practitioner as well? Yeah, yeah, it's been very good. Um, yeah, it's always a win because I, I, I am a salesperson, but not the best salesperson. And it's only just taken me um, recently. I've just had my products in my office. Um, I always feel like I don't like to upsell. So um, I've just recently, like whenever a client comes in and they'll be like, oh, can I buy a bag of granola as well? I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, But I'd never like to force the sales on people. Um, But, yeah, it's um, when it is a holistic and I have my clients that are eating my products or they're afraid of snacking, for example, and they're eating my energy balls. um, Lovely um, synchronised business I think yeah absolutely that is so cool it'd be awesome yeah seeing people eating your products um, yeah. <laughs> very cool awesome so let's chat about some of the skills that you've needed to build your business into what it is today 
Okay, this is a good one because none of them I really learned at uni. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, I think universities especially um, need to have a bit more private practice focus when they're teaching nutrition and dietetics. Yeah. Um, I didn't even do a private practice placement in my um, dietetics master's. Wow. That was more my internship. I decided to go with my mentor in her private practice. Um, yeah. But with that, her for example I wouldn't have known how to do Medicare rebates I -hmm. wouldn't know um, how to get my Medicare provider number or how to um, invoice people for example Um, so those things that I had to learn all on my own um, setting up a website um, tax all of that kind of stuff was learning as I went so I think some of the skills definitely in private practice is admin and accounting um, more that managing side also um in actual seeing clients being on top of your time as well um this year I've made my follow-ups a bit longer and kept my initials the same but making sure your clients don't go over time that you're using your time productively um invoicing and doing your homework like setting up their homework within the consult so you're not backlogged at the end of the night yeah Um, just kind of practical skills like that yeah amazing and are there any time management tips that you have to keep the consults going within the allocated time um I would say this year has been very helpful expanding my follow-ups to 45 minutes yeah you try and do it in 30 minutes and there's no way you can build that rapport again um talk about what they did last session for homework explore a few things and then do new homework plus um, invoices and all that within half an hour I just I was feeling very rushed um, yep. so expanding that for 45 minutes and I actually increased my prices a little bit um, yep. so that I wasn't feeling so exhausted at the end of the day trying to cram in lots of clients yep. um, so spacing them out a bit I was at the start of the year very good at leaving like 15 minute blocks between each client yeah um, but I really don't know how to use my appointing uh, appointments um online schedule so <laughs> now at, at the moment for example they're all um I don't have any 15 minute spaces but still allowing that 45 minutes I can get it done in that time so that's good yeah amazing and I guess like having those back-to-back appointments also forces you to finish it when it's meant to finish <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty good I I think like I know ahead of time who the talkers are and yeah. try and keep them on track so yeah but yeah. people also, all my clients are pretty good at looking at the time yeah. as well. Yeah, amazing. And I guess that's um, something that comes with practice of holding those boundaries as well. Boundaries, beautiful word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And when it comes to your mentor, so I understand that's part of being a dietitian for the first year, you need a mentor, but you mentioned you're still working with her. Tell us about the benefits of that um, and why you've chosen to continue having that guidance alongside you. Well, this is my mentor now, who was my mentor the whole time. It's um, a very relaxed mentorship where I just um, ask her questions. She always checks in on me about my mental health because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So like this afternoon, she messaged me um, because I put up an Instagram story of all my appointments coming up this week. And she messaged me saying, make sure you're looking after yourself first. Um, She specializes in um, like celiac disease and gut health. So if I have a client that I'm not as um confident in I will always just ask her for her advice and so that's lovely um 
but having a mentor, it doesn't have to even be nutrition related. Like my dad is my business mentor. Um, one that you can just check in with, um, private practice is a very lonely space. Um, I'm by myself. So if I have a hard client, I don't have someone in my office to debrief with. Um, so having those people around you, um, is really critical, I think. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. Always good to have a good support network. Yeah. 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 And, um, how about having your dad as a business mentor? Has that been really beneficial to your business goals? Yes, it has been. (laughs) It's also good having someone that's like not on social media or not in the nutrition space. Yeah. Um, because he comes at it with a completely different perspective than what's happening. Um, but also probably does cross the boundaries line when I'm always just asking dad questions. So this year I've had to like try and hold in some of my questions in quality, not quantity. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's been good. We, I'm very lucky to have him in my life helping me like that. So we have a nice relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And do you have any advice for fellow nutritionists or dietitians who want to do something similar to what you're currently doing? I would say, and I did this, don't think too far ahead. Um, Don't um, get bogged down in all the detail. If I knew, for example, how long it would take me to set up my website, I would be too afraid to start. Um, So small steps every day. Also, I felt very comfortable at the pace I was going at. So I didn't start paying rent on an office until I knew that I had set amount of clients coming in each week that I could afford that. Mm. Um, So be comfortable where you are, but pushing yourself, you know, every day a little bit. Um, So that, yeah, my true advice. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, it's a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how about what is your vision? Like, what do you see yourself doing in the coming years? Obviously, without going too far ahead, as you just mentioned, we don't want to get like um, too far ahead. But yeah, yeah, what is something you're working towards? Where do you want to be in the future? Um, it's interesting you say that because at the moment I'm starting to think about that a little bit more. Um, it was always like a future goal, but now I'm thinking, okay, how do I start implementing it? Yep. Um, my So I always wanted to private practice, but now I'm thinking my goal is to have more of a holistic health space. So I want other health professionals around me so I'm not by myself all day, every day. Um, I want a client to come in with an eating disorder and instead of having to go to a psychologist somewhere else she can just stay in my space and we're all connecting on the same level um so that's my immediate goal and also like that's for my personal life too I want to have children in maybe five years or so um and private practice if you're having a baby you don't get an income so just being smart about where I want to go in that direction too um But yeah, growing my private practice, that's my foreseeable goal at the moment. I also don't know if I'll stay in eating disorders forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I see this as something that as my life progresses, my um, focus will change. So I might want to do pregnancy, nutrition or um, toddlers and children or middle age. So I think as my life progresses, so will my um, practice. Yeah, makes total sense. And I think that's a really good thing to mention too, because often when it comes to niching, people can be scared to do it because you don't want to be committed to something forever. Like if you want to change your mind or change who you work with, 
but that's yeah. the thing like as you grow and evolve your business can also grow and evolve so it's great to see that you are like um, already thinking about that flexibility and not having to tie yourself down in something if it doesn't align with you long term yeah it's exciting to think about something different so yeah yeah since you niche in eating disorders at the moment do you find all of your clients are eating disorder clients or do you get the occasional clients who aren't um, I would say 90% of my clients are eating disorders. Yep. Um, that's how I like it at the moment. Um, yep. I prefer eating disorder clients. Yep. Um, then probably the other 10% would be just um, more women's health. So like PCOS or insulin resistance, yep. um, weight loss, sometimes diabetes, not too much. Um, but they're the main. Oh, and I have quite a lot of um, picky eaters, like little children, um so a little bit of a good balance a bit of variety but I prefer eating disorders disorder eating yeah yeah amazing what would you attribute your success to I would have to say hard work mm-hmm. um, I'm a very hard worker I work a lot um so when I was reading what your questions I was thinking what I would say to like any nutritionist students or dietitian students it's not going to be an overnight thing. Um, I've probably been, so I've probably been out doing dietetics for three, four years on my own. But then prior to that, for two, three years, I was seeing clients at night, one client a night. Um, So it's a slow and steady process, but hard work, um, building up your name, keep pushing, getting people to know who you are. um, I would attribute that. Yeah, I'm a hard worker. (laughs) Amazing. And how do you stay motivated and continue to work hard even through those times where it might not feel like you're moving as quickly as you want to, or it might get a little bit difficult? Um, I think motivation is something I'm probably quite lucky to have. Um, I wouldn't say I have too many days where I'm feeling unmotivated. There's hard days where I might be rattled by a client or feedback, but that also I enjoy not at the moment, but I enjoy, like I enjoy afterwards because that kind of challenges also my perfectionism and trying to please people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And speaking of perfectionism, how do you sort of overcome that and not let let that stop you from continuing to move forward? Because I know often a theme is I'm also a perfectionist and I'll sort of work on something so much to the point where I want it to be perfect. But I'm like, no, like I just need to get this done. So how do you sort of move through that barrier and be like, okay, I've worked on this enough. It is really good. And like, it's impossible to get everything perfect. How can we break through? Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's yeah, funny you say that. Like my packaging, for example, that was something I spent so long on. And it's um, stunning, might I add. Love oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> my, friend, my friend, um, she designed that, so yeah. But like every um all the nutrition information panels, everything is perfect in quotation yeah. marks. Um <laughs> I like to remind myself like my 90%, 80% is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is going to notice that extra 10, 20%. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's better just done than it is, you know, perfect. Yeah. Um, also like setting time limits and boundaries. I have like a pretty, like my to-do list, for example, I had to write an article today and I knew I had to get it done today. Otherwise I would have not met the deadline. Um, yeah. so just like getting it done, I think is 
a good thing for me as a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to um, quality work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, setting deadlines um, and just remembering that it's, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's still good. Yeah. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And you're so right. Like getting it to that 80 or 90% mark, like people don't notice that it might not be that hundred percent in your mind. And to them, that might be 150%. They might've like, think that you're already over delivering. Um, Yeah. So I think we do often get wrapped up in our own heads there a bit, don't we? (laughs) Especially with um, like my presentations. I remember um, there's a author, Lorraine Murphy. She's like a motivational speaker Mm -hmm. and she saying you could spend ages like on your PowerPoint presentations, making sure the font's beautiful and images, but no one's going to notice. Yeah. Um, so that saves me hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. Um, and speaking of authors, is there a book that you would recommend for every listener? Um, yeah. Something you think they should read and why? Um, my favorite book I probably have ever read that got me thinking was um, Lean In by um, Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. She, she, I think she was Facebook CEO. Um, Not sure. She definitely sounds familiar. And I like, I've heard of that book before, um, but I don't know much about her. Oh, the book is fantastic. So the book's called Lean In um, and it's all about um, women sitting at the boardroom table. So leaning into the boardroom table as opposed to um, what women would generally do, sit around the boardroom table and let men or um, more important people take up the special seats at the table mm-hmm. um so yeah it's all about women in business or power um mm-hmm. not apologizing because i think women um like managers for example if they're assertive they're seen as being bitchy or you know whereas if a man was assertive no one would think twice about his character um yeah. so just being confident as a woman um in your leadership role which i loved it's a very good book yeah, it sounds amazing. Sounds definitely sounds like something everyone should read, especially like wanting to go into business and things. Like yeah. it's very valuable. Yeah. 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 And I think she also talks about like home life balance, work life balance, which is complete BS. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. And are there any other resources that you turn to when you are continuing to um, learn and grow your knowledge? Like, for example, we always have things like we need to be getting our CPE points and continuing to learn as health professionals. Where do you tend to find that sort of stuff? Um, So Dietitians Australia are perfect at that. So as a dietitian, we um, pay a yearly fee to um, be part of that panel board. I get, uh, not, what would you call it? Membership. Um, yep. And with that, you get access to um, webinars, resources. Um, like every few days we get emails with the latest things. So I always pay attention to the eating disorders one. Um, the psychologist I work with closely, she, there's also like a mental health professional network in Canberra. So anytime there's something there, I'll um, jump on board with that. So yeah, just a lot of webinars or reading myself, which is usually when I have a client come to me, then I'll be like, oh, I need to upskill on that. And Yeah. Yeah. Very good way to like prompt what you need to learn or what's an area you need to um, yeah, brush up on or find more out to be able to support those clients. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Awesome. Well, in nutrition, we're in the business of helping others, but what are some things that you do to support yourself and your own health? 
Um, so the best thing lately was I got a dog. Well, she's almost a year old now, but I got a puppy. Um, yeah. And that's been the best thing for me to switch off yeah. um, at time. So um, otherwise I would probably be at my office until dark. So I always try and come <laughs> home and be able to take her for a walk, um, mm-hmm. play with her at nighttime, that kind of stuff. So that's been good for my balance and health and switching off. Yeah. She's adorable. Um, yeah. She's crazy. But, um, yeah, best thing we ever did um, for that. Yeah. Um, another thing I, health-wise, is I have a non-negotiable, and for me that's I have dessert every day, every night. Yeah. Um, and it's not like a healthy, nice cream or dark chocolate. It's like your typical Toblerone, Magnum, Cornetto, something normal. Um yeah. And to me, that just keeps me balanced. That keeps me healthy mentally, physically, um, and something I enjoy every night. Yeah, amazing. Do you have your own energy balls as well? Oh, yeah, I have a big stash of them as well. (laughs) That's so handy. That must be one of the best things. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like create a health food um, line just so you have constant snacks. It's funny. (laughs) I always have to limit my partner. He loves Abranola, so... I have to limit him. He's only allowed a bag like every few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's so yeah. handy. Like why buy other granola when you've got your own? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll try to buy like um, Crunchy Nut or like I, no, I just can't, I don't have it in me to put that in my trolley when I have yeah. my own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's like a million times better and I'm sure it tastes even better too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So this has been a brilliant chat and I've absolutely loved learning about all that you do, but do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners today? Um, I think have a plan. Um, Every break, like it just so happens to be over Christmas summertime, I always write out my goals for the year Um, and and I break that down into smaller steps and like monthly steps, daily steps. Yeah. and don't be overwhelmed by those goals. So what can you do each day? Um, mm, yeah. As I said before, sometimes it's better not to know what's ahead and just to like go full steam ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep going. Anything, you can do anything really. Yes, I love that. You can. <laughs> Brilliant. And where can the listeners find you and continue to learn from you and follow your journey? Um, so my Instagram is ghnutrition. Um, and my website is ghnutrition.com.au. Amazing. And I'll pop links to that and everything we share about this podcast. But thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It was lovely. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it, and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.